0: As if that's not enough. Two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts
1: now. <sighs> Jesus fucks. Get ready for the miracle of Mega, a comedy podcast from the staff
2: of a fictional mega church.
1: And, and not only does he f- but he's the best at it.
2: I'm Holly
0: Loren,
1: And I'm Greg Hess.
2: Our characters, Holly and Gray, welcome a new guest each week, played by some of the biggest
0: names in comedy and podcasting. Like Scott Ackerman, Lauren Lapkus, Paul Shear, Jason Manzoukas, Cecily Strong, and Duncan Trussell.
1: I just love to think about that the light shining down on all those corpses in the water and Noah just going by and maybe, maybe a mom being like, please, we're running out of energy. Can you please let us on the boat? It's completely improvised,
0: and it's devilishly funny.
3: Is there any question you have for us about, you know, what it means to live a life in Christ? I
0: guess how much do you think is bullshit? There's a new episode every Sunday.
3: Listen and subscribe to Mega wherever you get your podcasts. Best I ever had. Best I y'all can do it. Y'all can do it. Y'all sing along. You we, know I'm saying, Here you go Jesus, you the best. Jesus, you're, you're the you best. you be the best. Jesus, you're Jesus, the you're best. The be- oh, okay, best never
1: mind.
0: Best I ever had. Best wow. I ever had. Stop
1: Coming to you live from our houses in Los Angeles, California, it's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, public transit. We're talking buses, light rail, subways, ferries. We can travel together across town, and it's a better ride. Jarrett Walker, interestingly named, is an internationally known consultant on public transit and the author of the blog Human Transit. He's with us tonight to talk about how to move people. Maybe you'll be moved to hop a bus the next time you're running an errand. Plus... Iceland. Last week, Tony Nita Hull and Bonnie Burns had teamed up to deliver an overview of the land of ice and snow, but our show ran long and they got a reprieve. They're back this week to give their group report on this island country flicked with nobody listens to Paula Poundstone listeners like dots of volcanic ash on a field of snow. Bonnie, get your paper mache volcano ready to blow! I'm Adam Felber, the man who tries to ensure that our show's conversational train of thought makes all of its connections, stopping at each thematic junction until we find our terminus in coherency. And now, please welcome the woman whose topical caboose is always jumping the tracks and whose conversational streetcar forever barrels towards desire. It's Paula Poundstone.
0: Hey, Paula. Welcome. Hey, you guys.
1: Welcome, Paula. Oh my gosh.
0: It's so nice to hear all of your voices. Uh, You know whose voice I've really... uh, I keep tweeting to Barbara Streisand, who who writes a lot of political tweets, and and I always agree with her, and I always say so when I retweet her. I say, I totally agree. And will you call me? And she doesn't. And neither does Cher, by the way, who I thought Bonnie was very close to, the way she told the
1: story. Yeah, Bonnie's been letting us down.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I, I can't tell if it's a keeping up with the Joneses thing that, like, Cher won't call me, so Barbara Streisand won't call me either. And I I I don't usually put my phone number up on Twitter, Um, but I figure they're big enough in the business. They could just call anybody and say, get me Paula Poundstone's number. It's not that hard to do. However, I did last night just put my phone number up.
1: Where? On Twitter. You put your phone number on Twitter?
0: Yeah, and they didn't call. But Paula, that's a a really
1: not smart thing to do.
0: You know what? Every time I've answered the phone, I go like this. People, people who need people are the luckiest people in the world.
1: Hey, speaking of music, Paula, uh, we've been hearing some tonight already.
0: We've been hearing music? Yes, we have. And I want to thank tonight's house band, Kristen Phelps Webb on the bassoon. Oh my Welcome gosh, back, what's Kristen, the matter returning with
1: returning champion?
0: Uh, I Kristen, I, I please forgive me. I was so uh I was so wrapped up in myself um that Man. I totally forgot to thank you. But uh thank you. That's wonderful um bassoon.
1: Playing. Yeah, I'm sh- and I'm sure Kristen understands your thus far bootless quest for Streisand and Cher.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? Uh I'm so happy to have Kristen with us. Um fantastic. Thank you so much for being a part of our show.
1: Uh and and this is her second time. Is that what you said? Um, I, I see Tony Anita Hall, isn't Kristen the bassoonist that we had back in the days when we were allowed to see people?
3: Yes. She has oh, been wow. with us twice before, I believe. We
1: love Kristen.
0: I was thinking she was another bassoonist of all those bassoonists that we know.
1: We're yeah, we're big in the bassoon community, for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh,
1: but I, I think on the show, Kristen is our is our go-to woman on the bassoon.
0: Well, thank you.
1: Um, so Paula, what's new?
0: You know. I'll tell you something. I have watched so much news in the last couple of weeks that it's actually affecting how I talk, Adam.
1: Really? In what way? Back to you. Oh, uh, thank you, Paula. I want to say that I have noticed some some changes in your speech pattern, and I, too, have been watching a lot of news. I'm not sure if that situation will continue now that the election is over. We'll just have to wait and see. Paula? We will at that, Adam. Thank you so much.
3: <laughs> uh,
0: it's been, yeah, it's been a long few uh, It's been a slog. We did a show one time. Uh, that's all I want to say. No, we did a show one time where, <laughs> we, where we talked about the stuff that we meant to get done uh, that we never did. Yes. Do you remember that? I do um, remember that show. I At the beginning of the pandemic, which, by the way, I have not enjoyed nearly as much as I was hoping to. At the beginning <laughs> of the pandemic, I thought, well, you know, silver lining kind of thing, right? I'll read. Right. Uh, you know, I'll clean off my desk. You know, there was that time where you sort of, you know, take it in your teeth and you figure, okay, but but what can I do? Let's be positive. And, you know, my desk is twice as high in paper bilge as it was, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic. Read? What a silly idea that was on my part. All I yeah. have to do is hold a Mother Jones near my face and I fall asleep, a Mother Jones magazine. Any kind of reading, just like a word or two, and I'm out like a light. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the depression or if it's just like not able to focus on anything. And then the other thing I realize is there's so many things that you're supposed to do for an hour, right? You know, you're supposed to read right. for an hour a day. I don't know who made that up, but you're supposed to exercise for an hour a day. Uh, you're supposed b- to big, walk the big dog for an book made that up. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. You're supposed to walk the dog for an hour a day. You know, you're supposed to write every day. You're supposed to eat a good breakfast every day. I'm supposed to train the dog every day. And we had uh, a terrific organizer on the show one time who said, um, you know, take 20 minutes a day and do, you know, do your desk if it worries you that it piles up with stuff. I, I don't, I, 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 I haven't run the numbers here. But um, the day is over. <laughs> if, I, if I did all that. I can't. I, and what frustrates me more than almost anything else is that I can't keep up with the dust. And, you know, you probably know this, Adam. What percentage of dust is skin?
1: Almost all of it.
0: Well, then I must have almost no skin
1: now. Well, you, because I, I'm guessing you're just growing skin really fast here during the pandemic.
0: During the pandemic, I would grow skin
1: faster than another time? Well, you you are talking about the amazing amount of dust you have in your house. But then again, I, Paula, I, I have to say that um, maybe your house has a higher percentage of dust that is not human skin because uh, your house has lots of uh, uh, cat litter boxes. And that stuff is dusty.
0: Oh, maybe that's why the cats pee on me sometimes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they do, by the entirely way. It's entirely possible, I know, I know Well, you sleep on the yeah. floor
0: oh, Well, I sleep on the floor I, In the old days, I slept on the floor in the living room And then I moved into my bedroom Because they kept peeing on my head And it's just a terrible way to wake up <laughs> So, yeah. um yeah, so I'd, So now I sleep, you know, with a door between it, like they can't come into my bedroom. But, you know, if I move to a Winnebago, which I'm seriously considering, um, I don't know where there'll be the uh, partition that keeps them uh, away from me. I may just smell really bad all the time.
1: Did you just suggest that you're thinking of moving to a Winnebago?
0: I think about it. Yeah, I think about it a lot. Uh, one of my concerns is that I'm not sure how good I would be at driving a Winnebago, because I can't I'm park, really even sure a Prius. How good you'd,
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I'm really sure at how good you'd be at driving a Winnebago. It's yeah.
0: I think I would it's, just it's have to keep picture. going. I would just have to drive and drive and drive. You know, like the idea of parking is probably out of the question. I just have to stay awake and keep, unless I just drive off in the country or the desert somewhere and just you know, like like Breaking Bad or something, and just pull over, but just stop, not like. Not you like pull over somewhere pack. and
1: make, make meth.:
0: If I have to, <laughs> if if you if you're doing it for your family, it's okay. That's what I learned from
1: that series. I learned that from there too. Um, yeah uh, All right. Uh, <laughs> let's throw this around the horn, throw things up to, uh, to uh, let's first head all the way up. I mean down oh, no. to Studio City and Tony Anita Ho. Oh, good. <laughs> why do why, okay, I, I don't
0: understand this. Captain Crinkle and Tony, why do you guys always sound like you're about to get a shot? <laughs> because I'm I'm I don't
4: have anything. I'm not prepared. Well
1: I haven't even asked you yet. So 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 save it. Tony Anita Ho. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
4: well Tony Anita Hall's
1: in Sherman Oaks, Adam. Did you That's forget? right. Tony De ho- give us your update. You're no longer in Studio City, right? Have you m- completed the move?
3: Um, I did complete the move. I'm at in my new apartment as I speak. So that's exciting. So she's not
0: really. She changed her fake background
1: and she believes she's in another apartment. Kind of sad. Do you, want, do you want to uh, describe the setup to us, Tony? I mean, uh, we, we, you used to be perched at a little shelf slash desk <laughs> in the kitchen.
3: Um, well, my dear friend Lori got me a new desk as a housewarming gift. So I'm at my new Aww. desk that I put together at 9 o'clock last night. And, yeah, I'm facing a wall, but I'm near my sliding glass door. So I've got, well, sunlight when there is some coming in it's good it's very positive wow no that oh, sounds, sounds nice. very positive oh it's um, very positive it's very positive it feels very zen
0: tony what's happened to you
3: <laughs> it feels yeah no it feel, it's good energy in here i still need a sage to like reset the energy but
0: you still need you
4: still need sage what?
3: the the apartment
4: Yeah, they don't know about that. I'm pretty much willing to guarantee you. Tony, were
3: you on some sort of of retreat
0: last weekend? Were you on a sweat lodge or something? What the fuck happened to you? I need a sage and there's positive energy. What the hell?
3: It's a new me, new me.
0: I guess. I'm near my sliding glass door Um, with my sage and my positive energy, and it's zen. um, I don't like it. Well, (laughs) I'm just sitting here with my smooth move tea and my Breaking Bad DVDs. What what is the sage thing?
3: So they have sage that you light, and it clears out the energy in your space so that you can allow new energy in. Right. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I've, I,
1: I, have, I have heard of this. It's, um.
3: It's, I, uh, everyone I know it's, sages. It's very, it's a, it's a good thing. So if you, like, are getting, like, creepy vibes, or you, or you just feel, like, negative, if you have, like, a big fight in your apartment with someone, you, like, sage it so you can start anew. It's like an Indian native custom. Oh Native yeah, American I'm custom, sure.
4: I'm
0: sure that's a Native American custom. Well, I that's, no, no. That's another. That's another like white person thing <laughs> that they say <laughs> no. that Native Americans did.
4: <laughs> no, they do it like. No, they I mean, don't. It's well known. It's well known. Um, like did, sage, um, it's well known by. It's like a sage. It's like a sage brushy looking I, thing. Oh,
0: great. Tony googled, googled it. Now it. she's getting back to herself. <laughs>
3: there yeah. you go. You, I also googled. Eighty percent of dust is dead skin. I did Google that while you guys were talking about it. Um, so, <laughs> uh, Native American. According Americans, to my math, <laughs> it,
0: yeah. According to according to my be math, bright. that means that means I have twenty percent of my skin left. Go ahead
3: um native americans and this is just a quick this is the first thing that comes up in the google search i have not done extensive research i just want to preface this by saying that um native americans and other indigenous peoples have burned sage for centuries as part of a spiritual ritual to cleanse a person or space and to promote healing and wisdom thank you
0: oh boy yeah well wow, that's great so
3: there you go and i have <laughs> other good news What's oh that? there's more good news what My cruise it? was canceled. Essentially. <laughs> Yay!
1: All right. Uh, as longtime listeners know, Tony Nita Ho uh, went on a cruise just as the COVID time started, somehow managed to live through it, even though she <laughs> cried most of the time uh, because she wasn't getting along with her cousin. And then... Um, she promptly booked another cruise, which we told her was about the dumbest thing she could do. And
3: well, I did. I did find out my cholesterol is high. Everyone, too, I have a lot of updates. How, of how did you find that out?
0: When the EMTs went... came after you burned the place down with the sage? <laughs> <laughs> how did you find <laughs> out your cholesterol's high? She's fine, but she needs, fl- she needs Lipitor stat. <laughs> um, Tony. How did you find this out by moving to your new
1: apartment? Some of those co-op boards are very demanding, Paula.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've been asked to move out now as, as
1: a result. All right. Uh, I feel like we're just going to have to let Tony go through some changes while we head up to the <laughs> Simi Valley for everybody's favorite unprepared producer. <laughs> <laughs>
4: I Can't wait you for, for Iceland's report Kathleen later. Crinkle,
1: Bonnie Burns.
4: <laughs> no, you know, Tony Anita Hall has become a big surprise. Because remember when we first hired her, which was how long ago? Like a year and a half or something? Two years. Oh, easily 50 two years.
0: years. It's been 50. Yeah.
4: <laughs> and she just seemed so innocent. And... <laughs> She She has evolved. I mean, we heard about the underwear on the couch and watching the Kardashians. And before we started the show, we always, you know, have a few minutes. We talk about what we're going to do. And she happened to reveal, what was it? Her favorite show was this Below Deck, which, frankly, is so low as a reality show. Um, I won't even, like, pay attention to the name. And that's after you... Said that They have a subscription. You won't even to pay attention policy. to the name. What does that even mean? No, because I know it's like about these blonde, big boobed girls no, that are competing for some guy. And no, it's just not. like that's the best Wait a minute, hold on. No, no, guys, not.
1: I, I no, want to stop. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna cut in here, and I'm going I'm going to uh, mediate this because Bonnie, Adam, Adam, <laughs> yes, Adam. If I can break <laughs> in, now? now this is. This is Paula Poundstone live oh, go in ahead, Santa Paula.
0: Monica. Uh, yes. What's going on there?
1: <laughs> uh, Paula, we're having a, 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 a mediation situation. I'm negotiating between Tony Anita Hall and Bonnie Burns. Um, and we'll return to their to their uh, clash over the show Below Decks after this. Paula? <laughs> Adam? Bonnie? Tony? <laughs> okay, so Bonnie, what do you have?
4: I, okay, what do I have? I all right, I'll throw this out. So, I don't, you know, I'm, I am really puzzled about what to bring up. I, this won't go anywhere, but, you know, my daughter has gone. No, I. No, maybe this will be helpful. Maybe this will be know, helpful. You know,
0: it's so refreshing to get away from Tony's positivity. Go ahead.
4: <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe this will be helpful. So... My daughter's gone back to college and everything's online. And, you know, some of these classes, like the assignments do at 1159 p.m. And then the teacher like suddenly changes it and goes, OK, it's 1201 a.m. or something. It's hard to keep track of that stuff. So she read an article about a way to keep yourself organized. And there was something they called like the triple eight, which was you should get eight hours of sleep a day, a uh, day. Spend eight hours on homework and eight hours for your personal life, which actually sounded like a good way to get organized. However, I said to her, I need to adapt it to what I would need, which was 14 hours of work, six hours, I think, of uh, sleep. And then what's that leave you? Ten. Four. Four hours on your personal life, which would be like a little too much for me. But I never get my
1: personal stuff done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why dwell uh, on the personal stuff?
0: Can we just back I... up a little bit? Did you did you just say that sometimes the teacher says that the homework has to be in by 11:59 and other times she <laughs> says it has to be in by 12:01? And that this and that so so your daughter needed to get organized as a result of a am I correct about this a three minute difference? No,
1: that's that's, that's two minutes, Paula, or or
0: two minute. Yeah, a two minute difference is really throwing her off. Like oh oh shit, I I I could have had it in by (laughs) twelve o one, but not by eleven (laughs) fifty nine. No, okay, that is some precise fucking
4: homework in all fairness <laughs> turns out it's to get the prompt of what the test is like you had to do it in this certain time frame and i have a feeling the teachers like got kids or something she's having to put up with that because she changed it at the last minute and it's 2 apparent, minutes
0: <laughs> no i get it but
4: apparently a, a big majority of the people in the class didn't realize that the lady had changed it to 3 minutes After 11.59 p.m., and none of them, they all logged on, and they couldn't get the prompt. So the woman had to put out an email and change the time.
0: Well, there's only one solution for that, and that's eight hours sleep, eight hours work, and eight hours personal life. That's the only solution to a (laughs) three-minute problem like that.
4: No, I kind of get it, but... I don't get it at all. I think what it was supposed to be was that, I
1: don't know what it was. Whatever it was, a lot of them got it wrong. Well, Bonnie, I feel like once we finally figure out what you're talking about here, it's not going to be <laughs> that great.
4: <laughs> <laughs> no, you Okay, know what, Bonnie, I'm running <laughs> out of shows to watch, but I'm not going to watch Below Deck. When I hear you talk, <laughs> I
0: realize that... <laughs> Not
4: just and Trump, but, but m-
1: for no reason. many
0: presidents missed the boat by not nominating you as a Supreme Court Justice. Because when you just began <laughs> the the clarity and the and the argument, the way you assemble it, and when you began by saying, in all fairness. And I think that we want all of our justices to begin with that, in all fairness.
1: It it just lets you know right off the bat that you're going to be completely fair.
0: Exactly.
4: Okay. Okay, here's one of my new tricks. So like on my regular phone, I've put a message that if you want to speak to me, call my – and I have the cell phone number down. And that way I've gotten rid of a lot of people that don't want to really bother getting a hold of me and all the robocalls. Yes, yeah, it's eliminated been a lot any of. Any of
0: number of times that I've called you and I got that message saying call my cell phone and I just didn't. Well, there you go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know what? This, this feels like a perfect time for me to ask Paula if Paula, do you have a word this week? <laughs>
0: uh, Adam, I'm here in Santa Monica and I have a word.
1: All right, uh, this just in, everybody. Paula Poundstone has a word this week, so we're just going to throw <laughs> it right over to Santa Monica and uh, see if I we can check in with Paula can... and see w- maybe if we can get some kind of idea what that word is. Paula, uh, I'm I'm happy to
0: tell you, Adam. It's good to good to be with you. And uh, I don't know if you can hear, but there's a good deal of excitement behind me about the word. Uh, Adam, the word is specious. It's an adjective, Adam, that means seemingly reasonable or plausible, but actually wrong. If uh, you're
1: just joining us, Paula Poundstone has just let us know that this week's word is specious.
0: <laughs> it's an adjective
1: that means uh, reasonable, plausible, but actually wrong. For more on that, we're going to go right back to the source in Santa Monica, Paula Poundstone. Paula? Adam?
0: Uh, thank you. Uh, uh, here I'll use the word in a sentence Just to recap what I said earlier, specious is an adjective that means seemingly reasonable or plausible, but actually wrong. Uh, Here, I'll use it in a sentence. Uh, I wiped my hands on my pants so they're clean is a specious declaration. You know, Adam, there's only one way I have a shot at remembering this word
1: uh what would that be paula oh i think i know what it is and ladies and gentlemen um this is just breaking right now from santa monica california paula poundstone is taking out her glockenspiel and i think we're going to get some sort of contextualization of her new uh word within her vocabulary song is that correct paula that's right adam
0: This This week's word is specious. Uh, Adam, there's a good deal of confusion going on here in Santa Monica. Uh, This week's (laughs) word is specious. It's an adjective that means seemingly reasonable or plausible, but actually wrong. I remember words because I put them in this song. Last week's word was simulacrum. It's a noun. Its second meaning is unsatisfactory, copy or substitute. I want a cookie, not a fruit. The week before that we had rapacity. It's a noun that means aggressive greed. The filthy rich are still in need. Going back before that, the word was putative. It's an adjective that means generally considered as or believed to be. The national anthem was written by Francis Scott Key. And not long ago we had... A separation. it's a noun that means a solemn or emphatic statement or declaration. If we're too stupid to wear masks, we're all done. Let's never forget Gallimaufry, which I pronounced wrong until nobody James Hyder, corrected me. It's a noun that means confused jumbler medley of things. Hodgepodge, who's podge, hodgepodge. Adam doesn't think my song is replicable, replicable, replicable. But I do, I do, I do.
1: Yeah. Whoa, whoa!
4: And there you I'd, have I'd it.
1: Over to you, Adam. Thank you. Uh, there you have it from Santa Monica, California. Paula Poundstone has um, sung this week's vocabulary song, which usually means we're coming to the end of our first segment. Um, so I want you all to invite you all to stay with us. We'll have more from Paula Poundstone in Santa Monica, also from Sherman Oaks in the Simi Valley. We have uh, our other correspondents on hand coming up. Colombian politician Gustavo Petro said, "A developed country isn't a place where the poor have Adam, cars. Adam, it's where the Adam, rich use public transport." Adam, yes.
0: I'm sorry to break in, but we're high above Sherman Oaks right now, and we see a fire down <laughs> in a small apartment. <laughs> It's, uh, uh, there, I, there's a, I'm in the helicopter and uh, there's a smell of sage in the air. Is that possible?
1: Uh, 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 Paul, it's completely possible. We were talking to Tony Anita Hall in Sherman Oaks earlier. She was burning sage to clear the energy fr- in her new abode. That's probably just that, and nothing more. Uh, Oh, there uh, appears to be a
0: shitload of bad energy coming out of a small apartment in Sherman Oaks right now. (laughs) Uh, Bad energy and also smoke. Thick black smoke, Adam. Okay,
1: uh, thank you, Paul. Now, uh, to uh, to repeat what I was saying before, Colombian politician Gustavo Petro said a developed country isn't the place where the poor have cars. It's where the rich use public transportation. Okay, we'll ride that information trolley to better public transit when we return on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Paula?
0: Adam? (laughs) On this day in unremarkable history Nazi Minister of Propaganda Joseph Goebbels Wrote his own epitaph Which said, I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm alive
1: Thank you, house band Kristen Phelps Webb Wow that's some, that's some bassooning. That's some bassooning nation. Paula, um, you know, a few weeks ago after we had a parking lot design expert, John Purinton, on the show, I understand that you received a message from a nobody via our Facebook page.
0: I did. Uh, they said if you're going to have a parking lot expert on, then you really should have the guy who does the blog, Human Transit. So, I said, let's do that. Because that's the kind of argument I put up about these things. No, it seemed like it seemed like a great idea to me, and uh, I don't remember what listener it was, but uh, whatever nobody that was. Thank you so much. Great idea.
1: Great, and you're gonna see why it's a great idea right now because. Um... The creator and author of the Human Transit blog is indeed on the phone with us. Jarrett Walker is an international consultant in public transit network design and policy based in Portland, Oregon, where they got themselves some public transit. He is president of Jarrett Walker and Associates and the author of Human Transit, How Clearer Thinking About Public Transit Can Enrich Our Communities and Our Lives. Please give a Paula Poundstone welcome to Jarrett Walker. Yeah. Thank you. Jared.
2: Thanks very much. Great to be here. Great to be here.
0: Thanks so much for being with us, Jared. Before we begin, I, I, I just want to ask you, how hard was it to claw your way t- to be the president of Jarrett Walker and Associates. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't think I actually clawed up it so much as, as uh, pushed it downward.
0: <laughs> I mean, we, we've recently been through a difficult uh, presidential election, and then, and then, you know, you hear about an easy, uh, an easy one like that, yeah. president of Jarrett Walker, <laughs> president of Jarrett Walker and
1: Associates. Yeah, um, it's, it's sort of, it's sort of uh, reminiscent of the way I became emperor of Felbtopia.
2: Well, you know, lots of people when they lots of people when they get started in consulting put put and associates after their names when they're just starting out in their garages and so for a few years I said that the associate when they asked about my associates I said well they're basically voices in my head but now they're actually people.
0: <laughs> yeah, my my company is uh, Paula Poundstone and hangers on uh, because I've had so much of that. All right, look, I'm ready to jump in right away. What what? Jarrett Walker, made you interested in this work? Is it possible that it was because of your last name is Walker?
2: No, I don't think so. I think it's because I was taking the buses across Portland, Oregon to school every day. And uh, I just, I had the sort of brain. You see, there, are, there, are, there is a particular kind of teenager who memorizes geography compulsively and whose mm. mind fondles geographic information.
0: Wow. (laughs) I don't even know where my driveway ends. (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah. All right. So for those of us who know nothing about this, um, what are the elements of an ideal public transit system?
2: Uh, I can't tell you that without using my particular notion of what ideal is. And there's no shared notion of what ideal is. Uh-huh. So when I go to work as a consultant, I have to ask the community. I have to ask people their hard questions about what their definition of success is because otherwise you don't want me to just come in and use my definition of success because that might not be yours. I don't live in your community. I got no business telling you what your definition of success should be. So, I mean, it's a typical example, right? Um, if you if you listen to people talking about their transit system and you know calling up the authorities and making demands about their transit system – You'll hear people saying, why, why aren't there more people on the buses? And you'll also hear people saying, why doesn't the bus go by my house? And, mm-hmm. and more precisely, they'll say things like, you know, I can't walk down to where the bus stop is. The bus really needs to come closer to me. And, or I live out here in the country and I'm at the end of a long dirt road, but hey, I pay taxes too. Why doesn't the bus come to me? Hmm. And so there's a trade-off between um, um, concentrating service in the places where there are lots of people which builds up frequency, which means the next bus is always coming soon, which means the service is likely to be useful, or going absolutely everywhere and providing a little bit to everyone. But if you spread it out, you are spreading it thin. And if you spread transit thin, you've got a bus coming once an hour and almost nobody finds that useful. Uh So we're always going into communities and saying, hey, look, there's this trade-off. Do you want high ridership or do you want to go everywhere? Mm-hmm. And I sit back and let them wrestle with that because my job is to make clear that there's a moral judgment that has to be made. And I don't make moral judgments.
1: But oh, granny can walk a block or two. Come on. I want your community to have that
2: conversation. I want you to have that conversation with your granny. And I'm happy to implement whatever you all agree on.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> she just disowned me.
0: I think, uh, well, I, I understand that when uh, the pandemic is over and we get uh, – Businesses back up and running that American Airlines is planning on changing to more of the uh, I pay taxes entitlement system um, where they are going to drop people off at their houses.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, that'll that'll be very convenient.
0: Something I'm looking forward to.
1: (laughs) All right. um... Adam, over to you. Thank, thank you, Paula. Uh, this is Adam in in uh, Valley Village, California. Now, Jarrett, once you've once you've decided what kind of coverage you want, what's your feeling about the best way to do that? To choose what your vehicle is.
2: Well, that's another huge question that I can throw back at the community. Why do you want a whatever exciting technology you have in mind? I mean, streetcars, light rail, monorails. Um, Elon Musk's little tunnels, whatever it is that excites you. um, Why do you want that? Um, And often you'll press on that and you'll discover that people have defined the technology as the goal rather than as the tool. So I always ask you, right, which comes first, the tool or the goal? Do you pick up a hammer because you want to pound a nail or do you look for a nail that will let you use your hammer? Because that's the fundamental problem of technology. Technology is so exciting, especially technology that someone has patented. Because if it's been patented, then it's called innovative, right? Right. The word innovative means somebody will make money off you buying this, right? That's why bicycles, for example, are not innovative because they're in the public domain and no one will get rich if you buy a bicycle. Um, Of course, if something's patented, that means there's lots and lots of money being spent to make you love it. And to and all that money is being spent to make people put the tool before the goal, right? To make mm-hmm. people treat the tool as the goal, and so that they go around saying, "We need a we need light rail. That's, that's just, that city over there has light rail. We won't be a real city unless we have light rail." And before you know it, every city has light rail. And um, that may be good. That may have been the right tool, but that may not have been the right reason.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: So we always ask that because. There's another way you could approach this, which is to say, we really want people to be able to go places so they can do things. And if that's what you wanted, if that was the most important thing, then you would actually let us choose the tool that actually does that best, rather than forming strong opinions about what tool we should yeah, use.
1: Yeah, but you might say buses, and buses aren't exciting.
2: Buses aren't exciting. And I that's. Love Greyhound. But, but that's, um, it's very easy. <laughs> to spend a lot of money on a rail line that doesn't get anyone anywhere any sooner than a bus line could have done. The example of that we have in North America is called the um, streetcar stuck in traffic, the new streetcars that have been built around the country in the last, oh, 20 years or so. It's been a bit of a fad. And it's um, you replace a bus stuck in traffic with a streetcar stuck in traffic, and you haven't improved anyone's ability to actually go anywhere. You are just stuck in traffic more more uh attractively but and, don't
0: streetcars have a bell
2: yes and and <laughs> when you're when so, you're driving down a busy street and you're and you've got your stereo on and you're you're blissed out in your own world <laughs> how much would you really be affected by a bell you would need a siren
1: No, <laughs> yeah, I just since meant... in my car i tend to listen to nothing but trolley bell music yeah,
0: I no, I just meant, uh, I, I I just meant it gave people something to do, you so, know, ding 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 ding.
2: The other thing they tell themselves is this this thing is permanent because there's infrastructure. You know, a bus could change, it could change tomorrow, it could go somewhere else, but this thing is infrastructure. It's in the street. It's permanent.
1: Uh, that brings me back to the that brings us back to the whole. Roger Rabbit thing. Um, oh yes, which, which is like the history of it, and and just and and so my prejudice is uh, and and tell me minute, if, I, if back I'm up, wrong back about up.
0: this. Wait, you just said it brings me back to the Roger Rabbit thing, and the Jared said, "Oh yes." Yes. What am I missing? I, How is I Roger ex- Rabbit related to this conversation? I,
1: the reference is in the movie Roger Rabbit. The the bad guys um, are representing the uh, automotive and asphalt industries who are assiduously buying up public transportation, in this case, the Los Angeles streetcar, in order to make the way for giant highways so that no longer will there be public transportation, it'll be everybody driving. And historically speaking, it's not that inaccurate. Right, Jarrett?
2: Um, it's, it's quite exaggerated. There is, okay. There, public <laughs> transit in those days was being run by private companies as though it were a profitable business. And what happened is that, it, what happened is cars. What happened is that there began to be more and more cars everywhere. The cars competed with the streetcars. More importantly, the cars got in the way of the streetcars because nobody had thought of giving streetcars exclusive lanes because there was nothing to protect them from in the beginning. And um, the streetcars got slower and slower. And so as a business, they were falling apart anyway. Also, you've got to remember, those streetcars were invented before we really had buses as we know them. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, we've spent the last century practically well you know 80 years building streets everywhere building expanses of asphalt everywhere and so it's important to be able to have a tool that actually can use that infrastructure and that's what a bus is if we had built rails everywhere it would be be different
0: i i've i'm learning a lot and thank you Jarrett. but what but what stands out to me right now that i've learned is that i didn't really understand roger rabbit (laughs) <laughs> I, I guess I don't remember it very well. I have no memory of any of what you guys were talking about. But isn't didn't um doesn't Elaine Chao, who's Secretary of Transportation, She's doesn't Roger Rabbit? Isn't she No, she is. She got um uh melted. Um okay. isn't uh <laughs> Wait, is it? her uh, husband wait. has been
2: her husband has been reelected. I don't know that she's yeah, been melted. Yeah, he yet.
0: has. She has been reelected. But surely he'll melt eventually. You can't be that tallow
1: and not melt. Oh, he's um, already melting.
0: Yeah, he is melting.
1: All right. All right. Wait. Melt. Now
0: we're now we're getting getting off topic. Damn it. Um Elaine <laughs> Chow. Elaine Chow. Doesn't isn't her family in pavement?
2: I think I uh, um I'm not I would have to go I would have to go look that up. I, I I'm not your expert on who did what to whom and what everybody's motivations are, but I think that's Bullshit. That sounds you right knew all
0: me. about Roger Rabbit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I I want to say, Lewis Mumford wrote the automobile city is the anti-city, which annihilates the city wherever it collides with it. Stay tuned to find out more about the alternatives to the automobile city. <laughs> The cat of the week is Mimosa from Washington, D.C.
0: The spread of misinformation has fueled our cultural divide and increased our collective anxiety about the future. Tackling misinformation isn't a simple task, but it's important. And that's why I'm so excited to tell you about Conspirituality a podcast that's dismantling new-age cults, wellness grifters, and conspiracy-mad yogis.
1: On the show, a journalist, a cult researcher, and a philosophical skeptic walk into a bar, and the bartender says, no, 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 it's not that old joke. They dive deep (laughs) into current events such as RFK Jr.'s involvement in mainstreaming dangerous anti-vax rhetoric. They crowdsource, research, analyze, and dream up answers to the problem with, get this, proven science as their ultimate guiding light.
0: I highly recommend you check out conspirituality's fascinating episodes on creating comedy in the MAGAverse with Jordan Klepper or RFK Jr. flirting with body fascism.
1: And you've listened to a bunch of them at this point, Paul, I know, and you tell me you love it.
0: I, I do. They're they're fascinating. And my favorite part is they use, wait for it, proven science. Science? And, and if, if there's any kids listening, that's a class we used to take. Proven science as their ultimate guiding light. I love that.
1: From exploring cults to analyzing our cultural and political landscape, the Conspirituality Podcast will help you stay informed about misinformation and help you resist fear tactics. Find Conspirituality on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're back with public transit consultant Jarrett Walker. Now, Jarrett, just when we broke, you were on the cusp of getting to a point about what we do with these new infrastructure funds. Mm
2: -hmm. So here's the interesting thing about infrastructure. There's lots of infrastructure that we need. There's also lots of infrastructure that we need to maintain, and we have. So one of the problems we have is that it's much more fun to cut a ribbon on a new thing than to cut a ribbon on folks maintaining the stuff you've got. Well, that's, that's a that's an, that's an eternal, famous problem in public works. the um, The other deeper problem, though, is that transit infrastructure just doesn't work the way road infrastructure does, or other kinds of infrastructure do, and it's an important difference. and a lot of our my engineer and architecture friends, they come to transit, they're really interested in it, but they're bringing an unconscious assumption from their world of buildings or roads. When you build a building or you build a road, it's done and you can use it. When you build a rail line, it sits there and then you have to run trains. And that's a difference because what it means in transit is that the cost of operations is bigger than the cost of building it in the long run. The cost of operations oh. is very high because you have to pay someone to drive all these buses and all these trains. And once you really wrap your head around that, it really starts, starts making you think carefully about what kind of stuff we should build. Um, the other interesting thing then is that buses are so profoundly useful at just getting lots of useful mobility to people using the infrastructure that we have, which is the road system. And I've seen repeated studies. There was a study here in the Portland area a while back that said, you know, the number one transit investment that we could make to reduce greenhouse gas emissions would actually be to run buses a lot more frequently. Don't build anything. Just buy a bunch more buses and hire a bunch more drivers and have a whole bunch more buses. Buses coming That makes more sense.
1: <laughs> that and makes a lot of sense. Would because... you get more riders though?
2: Yes, you would. You would, and moreover, you'd you'd get other things you can measure. You'd get the ability of people to get to more places sooner, which is the very essence of how a city functions. The whole purpose of a city is to put people close to jobs and opportunities, and the measure of how close they are is really travel time. Um, Can you get to work in a reasonable amount of time? If not, you can't hold that job. And so when we measure how many useful places people can get to in a given amount of time, We're measuring their freedom, fundamentally. We're measuring the choices that they have in their lives. But we're also measuring the very essence of the functionality of the city, which is the people's access to opportunity. Now, the interesting thing about that measure, just measuring where can people get to in a given amount of time, technology really has nothing to do with it. It's the Mm -hmm. pattern of routing and services that has to do with it. It doesn't
1: matter whether you run rails or tires if you're going the same speed. Well, let's so, talk routing, because this, this raises yeah. a very interesting question, which is the life of a city, and a lot of people talk about this a lot nowadays, um, to me seems to be improved by getting vehicles out of the way, whether they are buses or cars or trains. I love the elevated tracks. I love the subway underground, and I, lo- I love the big dig in Boston, which just took a whole highway and put <laughs> it underground and reunited a city that had been separated by vehicles for at least 50 years. So so does that figure into the equation? It, it gets, sure it does. It's not just about moving people. It's about people's quality of life being great where they are.
2: But you know, you said you you said something important. You talked about getting out of the way. And there's a huge moral question in that, uh, which is who should get out of whose way?
0: Well, usually uh I know like a lot of Well, for example, in 101 Dalmatians, and this should be a way that you guys can understand this, um, there's a time where Cruella de Vil is driving and there's people in her way and she just honks really loudly and yells, get out of the way, you imbeciles. And so it would be the imbeciles who have to get out of the way.
1: Exactly. In, that, in that instance, it would be, absolutely be the imbeciles.
2: It's not yeah. because they're imbeciles. They're actually being rational. She is threatening to kill them, and they are doing what people do when you <laughs> threaten to kill them. No, that's important. That's 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 important because that's how our streets work. Um, our streets yeah. have evolved. It, the streets that have evolved around car dominance have fundamentally evolved around the danger of cars, and cars get all the space because they because if you get in their way, they will kill you, and therefore we all stay out of their way, and therefore they get more and more space.
0: Oh that's interesting. Wow. Cuz
2: you know you had this phenomenon all the time, you know, of the parent who thinks, "Gosh, there's so much traffic out there, I can't let Johnny walk to school. He might get hit. So I'll drive him to school." Mm-hmm. Everybody right. does that, and now everybody's in cars and now now it really is dangerous to walk to school. Well, it's there this, are sidewalks. It's this it, it, Couldn't Johnny yes, be so- taught
0: to stay on the sidewalk?
2: Johnny has well, to Johnny's cross streets. Johnny's not right. Johnny has to cross Johnny can be a genius. He still has to cross streets. And there, and honestly, Johnny's safety depends not on how good a driver you are. It depends not on how good a driver 95% of us are. It depends how good a driver the worst 5% of us are because that's enough to kill him. Mm-hmm. You know, have, have you ever seen film and TV? All the time in films and TV, you'll see a shot where the shot is from the passenger seat and you're looking at somebody who's driving, right? And they're talking. Mm -hmm. notice how often that person looks at you instead of looking at the road. And every
1: time that happens, I think, you're going to hit someone. You're going to kill some innocent person. (laughs) And if it's the first scene of a movie, often they do. Um, There you go. From my point of view, I'm a big bicycle advocate. Mm -hmm. I love bikes. And it seems like there's been a massive, massive change over the last 20 years in terms of how you can ride bikes in urban areas in ways that you absolutely couldn't have 20 years ago. Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: that's a it's a very exciting thing. You know, it started out, it, you know, the cycling movement really began in this country with the athletic cyclist, the, the young cyclist who was you know, willing to take some risks and willing to get out there and sort of act like a car and assert his rights. In the favor of all this traffic. And the, the, re, the reality now is that cities are increasingly trying to get lots of people on bicycles. You know, the Dutch were the most cycling mad country in the world say that when they design their cities, they, the design cyclist that they're thinking of is a 60-year-old woman with two bags of groceries, that's who they want to have on bicycle. And so the new generation of cycling infrastructure is slower, but much, much safer. So, for example, you're starting to see cities build the bike lane between a row of parked cars and the sidewalk instead of next to the street, next I to think the traffic.
0: I'll be able to join in when they build the, the bike path with um, a path of foam on both sides.
1: <laughs> you're, not a, you're not an able bicyclist?
0: I'm not, I, ride the, I ride a bike like Alice from the Brady Bunch.
1: That's and the thing.
0: And I used to be a bike messenger uh, in San Francisco when I was young. But uh, I, I took a bad fall one time, and somehow it, it, it never leaves your head. You it were a you bike anxiety. messenger
2: in San Francisco? Yeah. Maybe you, maybe you ran
0: into me once. I mean, literally. I might have. <laughs> I, I, no, I don't think I ever hit any pedestrians. I did hit a pickup truck once, and ah. it was entirely my fault. I was really exhausted, and I made a left from a right-hand lane, and uh, I just went right up on this guy's um, hood, and uh, there were two guys in the truck, and I think they had to take the day off work. I was fine. And I, I think I was so tired that that I was floppy, you know, and so it didn't matter, and I I didn't get hurt. But uh, the poor guys and I said it was my fault, right? Because a cop came over, like it was a uh, the cop happened to be nearby and saw it, so he came over. But in fact, it was just me being a shitty bike rider, and it was really lucky that it wasn't the other way around.
2: It was because yeah. um, they had a bigger weapon than you did. They could do much more damage than you could. And today, that's really. The moral question that's coming up in cities in talking about the streets, is who has the moral right to that space? It can't just be who has the biggest weapon. It has it has can't just be who's in the position to kill other people. The way motorists are, it has to be a more moral conversation about who all needs to be able to move in the city, who has a right to this to the street. It's a fascinating uh, debate. It's a philosophical and moral debate. It's not just a technical one.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, actually, in Santa Monica. The laws can't change quickly enough for what's going on as a pedestrian right now because we're trying to stay away from one another um, because of uh, social distancing. Uh, We're all walking our dogs, and there are many, and most dog walkers have figured out that on a leash your dog is squirrely. We're trying to avoid cars, um, but there's so many pedestrians that it's, it's perfectly acceptable and common for us to step off of the sidewalk and just walk on the street. Exactly, and then, and then we just expect that, you know, the cars will go around. But there's like no rules anymore other than stay away from each other.
2: And that's why a lot of cities have been, in the context of the epidemic, have been um, converting parking strips into additional pedestrian space. Things like that to acknowledge the fact that we need more pedestrian space now that we have to be further apart. Um, yeah. Fundamentally, this is all about sharing this is just like we teach our children to share their toys. We have to learn to share space.
0: In, in Santa Monica, there's a, a, up on a street called Montana Avenue, which is, yep. you know, frou-frou. Um, the, the, the restaurants, and I want them to stay in business, uh, but they have taken over the sidewalks. And so, um, you know, I'm walking by with my dog and right. I'm practically on top of them. And so one of the things that I'll do, certainly in the morning... Is um, just grab a croissant off their plate while I walk, and uh, my feeling is just like you said—it's a sharing issue.
1: Yeah, you're entitled. Right. You're entitled to that if you're walking by with your dog in there and they're in your way. Absolutely, I don't think well. Precisely. Would argue
0: that. A lot of times, then I'll walk uh, back the other direction, and I'll say, um, "Do you have any butter?" Uh,
1: yeah, you know, yeah. I yeah. think that might be pushing it because then you come back and you stop the flow of traffic.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I no. Uh, you know, on the, other, on the other one. I think you you're know, entitled just...
1: to their croissant, but not to their butter, if you've forgotten it the first time. <laughs> well, I, I can't, well, we can't move forward without asking another question that, that, that's in our preliminary research with you, is that you're supposed to tell us a parable. The parable of the elephant and the wine glass, is that right?
2: That's right. So, we live in a world, if you, if you follow conversations in my field, you will just see everybody slinging data all the time. And... In, in the kinds of plans that I do, um, data folks are always coming and saying, now look, you can't, you, you've been flying blind until now, but now we can run these regressions and we can show you based on what everyone's smartphone is doing, how many people are going from here to there at 7.30 p.m. and how many of them are left-handed and how many of them are nobodies who listen to Paul Poundstone, and we know all this stuff, and you can put all that together, and What I'm, what I tend to find is that a lot of us are intimidated by sheer quantities of data, and it's and it makes us shut up. And so, or or what's what's more, the data gets aggregated into statistics, and there are so many different ways to aggregate data into statistics that you can write a book full of statistics that will prove anything. So, Uh the data work is very important. I'm not against studying data. But there's sure. something missing there, and that's the ability to think about what we really know, to think about what we don't need data about. So I ask you this question How many adult elephants would fit in a wine glass? Well,
1: adult I'm gonna, elephants.
0: I'm going to say zero.
2: Right. I bet, the, I bet everyone listening to this knows that the answer is either zero or a very tiny fraction.
0: Well, I have to and, confess. Or a
1: very big it. wine glass.
2: No, no. Yes. Now. Now we have. Then we have to do all those those things for all the smart people. No, we're not talking about near a black hole. We're <laughs> near a black hole about, will be different. We're talking about right here in the world at the human scale with what you and I all understand to be an adult, adult elephant and an ordinary wine glass, and the answer is zero. And but the thing is, the feeling you have about the answer to that question, I bet that feeling is impervious to data. I bet that if a scientist came in a white coat and said, actually, we've done a meta-analysis of studies of this problem all over the world, and the answer's actually
1: 1.4, how would you
2: react? How would you react if someone told you that 1.4 elephants can fit in a wine glass?
1: I'd invest in wine glasses, probably. You know, I wouldn't believe them.
0: If someone, <laughs> if someone claimed that my, my elephant wine glass answer was a specious argument... Uh, I, would, I would disagree.
1: You yeah. would,
2: because yeah. you're
0: really sure about how many elephants fit in a wine
2: glass, even though you haven't done the experiment. We do yeah. not need to take wine glasses to the zoo and actually do this experiment. And that's important, because it, it means there's a class of things that we all know that we don't need data about. And it turns out, those kinds of things tell us a lot more than you might think. Cars Give me an example. Cars in a city are a great example, okay? The problem of elephants and wine glasses is the problem of cars in a city. A city is lots of people in relatively little space, which means a city is, by definition, a shortage of space per person, which means a city is a problem of sharing scarce space, like a wine glass. Well, cars are big. Cars consume a lot of space for every person. And by seizing a lot of space for every person, they mean there's not enough space for everyone. That produces an effect called congestion. But we don't need to do any studies about congestion. We don't need any data about congestion because it is an elephant wineglass glass kind of problem.
1: I see. So you're saying it doesn't matter how much data that people mount to try to prove to us that cars are an awesome thing to have lots of in the middle of a city. We just know that's not true.
2: You know, that's not true. You, we, didn't, we didn't really need to do this experiment that we've all done of packing lots of cars into a city, just as we didn't need to take wine glasses to the zoo to actually verify how many elephants fit in a wine glass. This is theoretical thinking, and it's almost forbidden in my field these days. But I like to pipe up and because I, I tend to find that if I talk this way, ordinary people who are intimidated by data can nevertheless get this. This is, um, com- this is what they often call common sense, and, and it turns out to take us a long way in my field.
1: Well, we're glad that you piped up. Um, Jarrett, well, thank you for giving us a busload of information about public transit. Great to have you with us. And now we're going to take a pause. We're going to take that information and run it through the old pounce donator. Paula? Hey, Kristen, who we like to think of as our
0: bassoonist. Um, uh, if I can get a little background music, uh, I'll tell you what the pounce donator spit out. Jared, that was fantastic You've left us with so much to consider I may have to rethink my Winnebago fantasy To meet not just my needs But the needs of my community Hey Grandma, it's just me, Paula Poundstone Here to pick you up in my Winnebago Come right on in here Just move that cat off the little couch Sit down and make yourself comfortable You see, Grandma If the bus goes to everyone's house, we can't have enough pickup times around the city. So if I drive you to a stop, your wait time should be very short. Nah, don't thank me. We're all in this together, and we've got to share our space. There's a bathroom in the back there, but stay away from that golden retriever slash Newfoundland. She looks nice, but she's mean. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and look carefully before you flush My cat
0: Wednesday sometimes jumps in the toilet to hide When you're not looking And she really fucks up the plumbing Oh, hey, hey, are, are, are you okay? Sorry, I should have been watching the road can, can you get up there? Boy, you landed right in the cat food, didn't you? Could've been worse. I've got nine cats and two big dogs in here. I should sage the place, I guess. Uh, one of those one of those devil bike riders just pulled in front of me. Hey, asshole, you see that bike on my roof? That's cause I still haven't pulled over since the last cyclist pulled in front of me. Grandma, do you mind just pushing play on my VCR? I was right in the middle of Who Framed Roger Rabbit before I picked you up. It's about transit infrastructure, as it turns out. Well, we're almost to your stop. But I, I can't park this fucking thing, so get ready. I'm going to slow way down and you jump. See you tomorrow, Grandma!
1: <laughs> <laughs> he is the author of the blog Human Transit and the president of Jarrett Walker & Associates International Consultants on Public Transit thank you so much for being on our show. Jared Walker, just wonderful to have you here. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Paul. Thanks,
0: Jared. Yeah, Thanks. Jared, you are wonderful. Thank Great you fun. so much.
1: Coming up, Iceland. Won't you listen to our show? Join Tony Anita Hull and guest traveler Bonnie Burns <laughs> for an audio tour of the land of ice and fire. That's coming up after this. <laughs> Fun fact, during your lifetime, you will spend around 38 full days brushing your teeth. So this pandemic is a great time to get all that out of the way. (laughs) (laughs) We now join the French President Trump weekly press conference in front of the historic Watergate Large Irrigation Solutions building in progress. Thank, Thank you, Mr. President. Tony Romo with ABC News. Mr. President, some people on Fox News and some leaders in the Republican Party have said that you need to be given time and space to accept your loss. Why are you different than any other office holder who gets voted out?
0: I am very different, Tony Romo. I come from a long line of unprosecuted criminals, cheats, and bullies. We have always been able to buy people off or threaten them to get what we want. This shit is very jarring. I am not only losing the presidency, I'm losing a way of life. Next question. Next question. Mr. President, yes, you, right Yes, you. Yes, you. Your Honor,
1: thank you, thank you so much, Mr. President. Jimmy Tingle, Beacon Hill Press. Mr. President, why don't you just admit you've lost, sir? Your <gasps> childish behavior is damaging your legacy. Oh.
0: oh, my behavior is not childish, and I will not leave until I have pooped in every drawer in the resolute desk. And created a lasting foul smell in the Lincoln bedroom, and colored myself onto every presidential portrait in the whole White House. Take that, you poopoo head! Next question. Next question.
3: Mr.
0: President. Yes. 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 Sir. yes sir.
1: Thank you, Mr. President. Tom Snell from CNN. Again, sir, have you thought about where you will have your uh, your presidential? <laughs>
0: What are you saying? I cannot hear you. (laughs) Take some mask off. Uh,
1: Oh, Mr. President, if I may, I think what my colleague is trying to ask is where you will have your... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> where you will have your presidential library. I do not understand!
0: <laughs> your, what? Your president, your presidential <laughs> 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 I'm sorry.
4: I'm sorry.
1: Sir,
4: presidents,
1: sir, presidents house their papers in a presidential
0: library! <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) This press conference is over!
1: All righty, Tony Nidahal, are you here with me?
3: I am here.
1: Yeah, you know, we search the globe for places where people listen to our podcast, and we give fellow nobodies around the globe an audio tour of those countries to get to know them. And we've decided to do something a little bit different here. Um, We don't know how many listeners we have. Usually we do going in. But Paula and I have made the dubious decision to um, team you up with Bonnie (laughs) Burns, make this our first ever uh, Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone group project. Um, So, uh, Paula, do you have anything to say about Iceland before we actually learn about Iceland?
0: No, I just I'm certain we have a shitload of listeners there.
1: Okay. But all right, that's well, that's something I, to know I about. I mean I've Iceland. never I, been
0: there. I don't know anything about it, but I just have a sense that you it's have a a, feeling. that it's a great marketplace for
1: us. Well, it might be. It might be. We're about to find out. So, um, Tony and Bonnie Burns, are you there? Are you ready? You got your binder and everything? No, I'm ready and Hasn't. I have my yeah, I have my three-by-five cards ready. I'm all ready to go. We're all right, ready. then. Wow. Oh, Tony, Tony and Vani, uh, what can you tell us about our listeners in Iceland?
3: Okay, so I'll start. Um, okay, I'm ready. All right, here we go. Uh uh, so there is a penis museum in Reykjavik. It contains a collection of penises from over 200 different mammals, including one from a man.
0: Wow. I, I wonder, now- um, was it assembled <laughs> voluntarily? <laughs>
3: <laughs> that is or an is an it just question. like somebody's room?
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I am familiar with this penis museum. I've never been there, but um, I saw about it in the news about a year ago. Because oh, yeah, you looked they at it a, in
0: the news.
1: Well, they yeah. had an address that is um, uh, easily confused with another address. So there's this apartment building or something in Reykjavik where they have, have put a sign on the door that says, this is not the penis museum.
0: Oh, no, everyone, this is the little bit I know about Reykjavik. Um, everyone in Reykjavik has that sign on their door, except for the museum. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is, they have, this is not the Penis Museum t-shirts. They have, this is not the Penis Museum oatmeal. They. It's, it's a big marketing thing there. This is not the Penis Museum. It's a, bri- it's a brilliant <laughs> idea. In fact, you know, it's a well-known compliment, uh to a a man uh, when uh, a man and his partner first get naked together uh, Uh for the the woman or perhaps the man's male partner to to look upon him and say, that should be in a museum. (laughs) 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 Very common. I'm
1: not not sure about that, Paula, because I feel like that could go so many ways. Yeah, um, no, it's
0: very is a very common compliment. Um, yeah. That's all so I know about it. So, just so you know,
3: the the human penis was obtained in July of 2011. Um, and <laughs> the detachment from the donor's body didn't go according to plan. It was reduced to a grayish brown shriveled mass that was pickled in a jar, and the museum continues to search for a younger and a bigger and a better one.
0: Wow. <laughs> oh my god. Is that god. like on the brochure, Tony?
1: Or <laughs> this is So that was the, 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 the post-mortality equivalent of saying, no, the water's just really cold. <laughs> it's not supposed to be that shriveled and gray.
0: <laughs> yeah, wow. That was uh and that um did you get that directly from the curator? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it should have been bigger and more fleshy colored. Okay,
1: I have. It's actually shocking to me. How hard is it wait, over nine years? I'm not done years? with my part yet. I know. wait, wait,
0: wait. Adam was talking about the penis museum, and he just said, "How hard is it?" What? I don't Whoa. think you understand the museum.
1: <laughs> I got cut off. Oh man! Now that now I said that, uh, how hard is it over a period of nine years to find a, a dead guy with a penis? I mean, well,
3: they have to be a donor. They have to want to donate their, their penis to the museum. And maybe they, oh, they have the right have penis might donor. be out there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I would gladly donate my weenus <laughs> to a museum. And I would do that while I'm still alive.
1: Uh, all right, Tony, go on.
3: <laughs> ba- babies in Iceland are routinely left outside to nap. Uh, huh? <laughs> now, how do they mean that? Just w- like, why? I get, do we know like, why? You, like, you'll go to like a cafe, and the moms will be inside, and all the babies will just be in the strollers outside, sleeping in the, like the cold. Well,
0: what, what, what if they wake up? What if they
3: climb out of those? <laughs> what strollers? if it's cold? I think it's the cold's good for them. Maybe I'm I'm just speculating now and guessing. I have no fact.
1: Well, don't worry about that. Are you talking about human babies or bear babies?
3: But no babies, human babies.
1: Huh. can't say I ever did that mm. with my kids.
3: This is anyway. Yeah, no, I I can
0: see where the cold would be good for them.
3: Yeah, I think it's good. I mean, you, for you them. can
0: get carried away with that, but
1: yeah, sure.
3: Okay, and then um, there are no mosquitoes in Iceland.
1: I love that. That's not surprising. Or okay,
3: no, that's not
0: true. Um, the mosquitoes in Iceland have no penises
1: um, right. because they're
0: all in the Reykjavik,
3: um,
0: so they're not able to procreate. That's
1: they can't reproduce.
0: Right, but there are mosquitoes. They're just deeply ashamed. Because of,
1: yes, because of the extensive mosquito wing in the Reykjavik Penis Museum.
0: Yes, it's huge. <laughs> not. Not Makes the actual sense. mosquito <laughs> penis, of course, but the wing. Um, yeah. Um, so there are no mosquitoes. Well, I love that because you know we had See, so positive. many mosquitoes in Sudbury, Massachusetts. We had one of those zapper oh, yeah. things for a while, and it was just never quiet. It was just kind of like, yeah. So I, I, so far, I'm thinking about parking my Winnebago in Iceland.
3: That's not a bad idea.
1: You might you might want to buy it there rather than have it shipped, uh, Tony. What else?
3: Um, so actually, I'm going to pass it um, to my group project partner, <laughs> Bonnie Burns.
1: Remember, oh you get
3: a group
0: grade,
1: so keep that in mind. Now, now, absolutely true, and Tony, I I don't want to criticize before the report is over, but leading with the penis museum really leaves you nowhere to go.
4: <laughs> well, I don't agree. True. We- we have this but, very But Bonnie us. Burns prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. Okay, so you're right. Iceland is a very desirable country and uh, their national anthem was written in 1944 when they voted to end their personal union with Denmark and the name of the anthem is oh. Lofsgur. And it was written by Svenborg Svenborgesen. <laughs> and uh, he did the music. And the lyrics were by Matthias Yokomak Matson. And here I have a little bit to play for you now. You know, and Bunny, I will translate Bunny, what they're singing.
0: Could you tell us something we don't know?
1: <laughs> I know, and your pronunciation is atrocious. That's going to be on your grade, dude.
0: Yeah. Okay. Here we go.
3: So we, <laughs> your grade.
4: I'll translate what they're what they're singing. O oh God of our lands, O oh our lands, God, we worship thy holy, holy name from the solar systems of the heavens bind for you a wreath.
0: Wow. You were able wow, to that translate a- that?
4: Yeah, I looked it up. I had to look it up. <laughs>
0: no, oh, wait. No, what's what language do they speak? Is it Icelandic?
4: Yeah, Icelandic. But huh, the children learn. They teach. They teach English and Danish as well as Icelandic in the schools. You know, I could be making all this uh-huh. shit up, and you guys wouldn't even know the difference. <laughs> I would know a yeah.
1: little bit about this. Hey, I saw that's the I, sugar cubes in concert before Bjork went solo. Oh, that's
3: right. The sh- the that's what cubes. I
0: always—that's what I always feared in my high school history class. I thought, well, how would we know? We just have this guy telling us <laughs> shit. I, I, you know, he could say anything. Um, uh, so, Tony, you of course talked about the uh, penis museum, the world famous penis <laughs> museum. Um, Bonnie, what can you tell us about um, Vagina Village?
4: (laughs) They don't have a Vagina Village, but you can travel around the whole country on a single road. And the water is very clean. The water is very clean. You can drink right out of a stream, a tap, a waterfall, or a lagoon. Wow, Bonnie, is
1: that because it's all glacial water? Is it all what? (laughs) Glacial water. Is it all from glaciers? Is that why it's so clean?
4: I think it's clean because people don't throw (laughs) shit in the water. (laughs) (laughs) I'm
1: going to stick with glaciers for now. Go on, please, Bonnie Burns. (laughs) Now now I'm going to turn it
4: over to my colleague,
1: Tony.
3: Okay,
1: thank
4: oh, okay. you,
3: Bonnie. Um, <laughs> thank you. Um, okay, so.
1: <laughs> God damn it!
0: Hey, Tony, uh, can major... I just ask you a question? Yes, Tony, d- of course. Did your mother have to drive you to the podcast today because you had a big poster? <laughs> <laughs>
1: And Tony, let me ask you a question: How much more apprehensive were you about this one because you knew you had a, a lab partner in the person of Bonnie Burns?
3: <laughs> I was. I'm, I was. It's been a pleasure working with Miss Burns. Oh. We had a really All right. Good well, go
1: time. on. Continue your. Uh, I. It sounds like, presentation.
3: No, it sounds like Bonnie
0: really did some good investigative reporting to find out that the water is clean because she thinks <laughs> they don't throw shit in it. <laughs>
1: Yeah.
0: Exactly. How many Icelandic people, did you just talk to them on the street and say, would you ever throw shit in your water? And they said, no. And you went, well, that's why it's clean. <laughs> um, all right, all right. So, Bonnie, did you have some more uh No,
3: I- I'm I- turning it over to there?
0: my colleague for her it- section of the report. Bonnie! Oh.
3: You know what, Bonnie though, I think you should share with them the the t shirt you found in the penis museum. I know really? we weren't going to.
0: It was yeah. um okay. this is not the penis museum.
3: Okay, so I'll give you some insight.
4: One of the things that's unique about Iceland is their humor. And many people say that Icelandic humor is an acquired taste. And some people that visit the country say that they find it hard to even know what the punchline is. So I pulled some examples. (laughs) I pulled some examples of Icelandic humor. So one of the things Tony wanted me to tell you was, this is a slogan on a T-shirt that's for sale at the Penis Museum. And it says, this museum is not for pussies. (laughs) a joke
0: <laughs> but wait I have better ones okay wait and this oh incorporates- yeah you know it's funny you mentioned that because over at vagina village they have a t-shirt that says no dicks in here <laughs> <laughs> okay this one
4: incorporates the history of the country so in 2009 they had a terrible economic crash and then you know the country has 21 active volcanoes and in 2009 besides the economic crash Two of the volcanoes erupted, all right? So here's some three Icelandic jokes. Don't fuck with Iceland. We may not have cash, but we've got ash. (laughs) (laughs)
0: This does not
4: strike me. pretty weak right there. No, (laughs) this
0: this doesn't strike me as, um, like, somehow... Different, difficult to understand because we're not culturally Icelandic.
1: Uh, it, it, no, that's a it's, lame joke. It, it's a fine joke. Well, I didn't think uh, it was uh, um, that I, bad.
4: Like when people said it's hard to understand when they get to the punchline. Maybe my delivery's better. No,
0: i I was. I was clear <laughs> on what the punchline was there. Okay. So wait. So say it again, Bonnie. So say it again. What was it? Don't fuck. Don't fuck with Iceland. We may
4: not have cash, but we've got ash.
0: So, <laughs> all right, yeah. yeah. So, because that, that strikes me as something that you could say here, and that everyone would get it. The, where there would be like some sort of cultural, like how maybe if the emphasis, like if you said, uh, "Don't fuck with Iceland." We may not have cash. That, that see, that would be confusing if they put the mm. emphasis on we. Uh, and then people right. just—you didn't even get to ash if you just went. We may not, and people went like,
1: <laughs> <Right>.
0: "Whoa!"
1: <laughs> Bonnie, do you have any other examples no, of Icelandic humor? I gotta
0: give you—I have two
4: more. Okay, Iceland's okay. volcanoes have been deemed to be weapons of ash eruption.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
4: of ash eruption?
0: Yeah, weapons of
4: ash <laughs> eruption.
0: Yeah. Okay. I don't think that understanding that joke has anything to do with being as Icelandic or not. No. Hold on. That's I've got to go out and get my baby.
1: I left it outside. Yeah, go right ahead, Paula. No, that joke is literally trying to make us think that ash eruption sounds like mass destruction and it's just not close enough to be a good joke. No, no I, I don't, don't think that's it. true. I, I thought it was a poop joke.
4: No. <laughs> I got no. it. No. Okay, here's the last
1: one. No, it's a mass destruction joke, Paul. <laughs>
0: No, I, th- I think it's poop it's a poop joke. I thought it was
1: Absolutely not. Kind of 100% clever. not. Okay, no, this one
0: Ash eruption. No, yeah. that's a
1: poop joke. Weapons of ass eruption is supposed to sound like weapons of mass destruction.
0: <laughs> it's not ass, ass eruption. Joke. It's
1: ash <laughs> eruption. No, it it was a poop joke. If you're an Icelandic listener, you've got to settle this one for us.
0: No. Which one of us owns a Patagonia jacket? I think I do. But that's nowhere near Iceland. <laughs> Doesn't matter. I understand them. <laughs> okay, here's the last one. This one requires wait, some Wait, wait, Adam, do you, Adam, wait, Adam, do you have an automatic ice maker in your refrigerator? I do. In your freezer? Well, see, I make yep. my ice myself. Who understands Iceland better? I think I do. Ash eruption was a reference to a poop joke. Go ahead, Bonnie. No, it Absolutely. wasn't. <laughs> Thank you, Bonnie.
1: (laughs) When you've lost Bonnie Burns, you've lost America and Iceland, Paula.
0: No, it absolutely was. And by the way, Iceland, (laughs) that's three really good jokes.
4: Okay, here's the last one that requires a little thinking. First, Iceland goes bankrupt. (laughs) Then it sets itself on fire. Can you smell an insurance scam? (laughs)
1: Not bad. No, but you
0: didn't. But Bonnie, you didn't say it the Icelandic way, which is first Iceland, what was it? Goes bankrupt. Goes. goes, First Iceland goes bankrupt, then it it sets itself on fire. Can you smell
3: uh, (laughs) an insurance (laughs) (laughs) cap?
0: And you're going to stop at the you. And then Icelandic people are like, (laughs) (laughs) wow.
4: Okay, I just have to say one Maybe. final thing cuz this is really interesting. They have um <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, wait. No, this See, is really Tony has an Icelandic sense of humor. <laughs> All you had to do is say they and no. she was doubled over.
4: They're one of the happiest and safest countries in the whole world. The police don't carry guns. The average life expectancy is 83.5 years. And the U.S., the average life expectancy is 78.5 years.
0: Yeah, but here's the thing. Of the 78.5 years, 78 of it is miserable. Yeah,
4: no. Oh, right. And they're happy in Iceland. They're happy. And here's the very last thing that I have. Yeah. So, okay. One of the drawbacks, because everybody talks about how great it is to live in Iceland, is it's very sparsely populated. It's the 180th smallest country in the world, okay? And everybody knows everybody's business. So you know how... There's a saying like, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. In Iceland, the saying Mm -hmm. is, what happens in Iceland stays with pretty (laughs) much everyone in
0: Iceland. (laughs) Now, I think that's a great expression. I think it is. Um, And if you were telling the joke correctly, it would have been, what happens in Iceland stays with pretty much.
1: (laughs) You just... yeah. Uh, you you got that Iceland, Paula? You're ready to you're ready to play the the Reykjavik Chuckle Hut at this point. Yeah,
0: I think I should. Um, I really, I think I I really think I should. Um, here, I'm not able to work in theaters here anymore because of the p- pandemic. And Bonnie is doing her damnedest to get me on gas station TV, but it's not going that well.
1: But Iceland, that could open up a whole new land for you.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah, I wouldn't mind. Yeah, that'll be great. I could do really well in Vagina Village and and the Penis Museum. Oh my gosh. And the t-shirts I could write. Oh, yeah.
4: Yeah. Tony's gonna take you home.
1: Tony, uh, bring us home with this report. Oh.
3: I I love uh, that idea
0: of bring. I love that idea of bring us home. I kind of picture like two kids in like the fifth grade doing a project together, and one of them stepping aside and saying to the other, "Bring us home."
1: (laughs) (laughs) I expect jazz hands.
0: Yeah. Right. All right, Tony. Go ahead.
3: Okay. Um, A majority of Icelanders believe in elves. (laughs)
0: that's fucked up
1: (laughs) that's just that's why they can't find a regular sized penis (laughs)
3: you know what
0: I think Putin put that in there that's like propaganda that's bullshit they do
1: not that's That's Now, Paula, that's on the other end of the spectrum. The worst thing you can say in a bedroom when you're first getting down with your partner is, are you part elf?
0: I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. (laughs) That's just ridiculous. They do not.
3: No, 62% of the nation believes the existence of elves. Is, is a real thing.
0: You know what? Wow. I think there's voter fraud in that. <laughs> 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 I, I want Big a news. recount. I want a recount on that. I have no evidence, to be honest, but I still wanted to go to the Icelandic Supreme Court. That's ridiculous. They don't. <laughs> um, We're really wow. creating
3: a culture of inclusion for our listeners mm-hmm. in Iceland. Um... Raw yeah, that's a hearts. good point, Tony.
0: We're kidding, Iceland. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We're kidding, Iceland.
1: There you go. Now they get the joke. <laughs> Tony, was that your grand finale?
3: No, but it's okay. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. Ahead. What do you got? What do you got? Let's say you had. Raw puffin heart is considered a delicacy.
1: Oh, puffins, man. aren't they endangered? They, stop that, Iceland.
3: <laughs> they are now. <laughs> raw puffin heart. I mean, heart. I've eaten a lot of things. Dear God. But I don't know if I could eat raw puffin heart.
1: I couldn't yeah, eat that's... cooked puffin heart. It's puffins.
3: Yeah, and they wonder
0: why the puffins don't come when they're called.
1: Yeah, that's why. <laughs> They're gonna bite right into my chest.
0: Yeah, just a little just bit like closer. the Puffin. Oh my yeah, gosh, yeah. puffins are so cute. Why? Oh, no, I really they am against cute. this eating animal thing now. Um, I mean, I have been for a long time, but yeah, it's not—it's not a good idea to.
1: I I still eat animal products, but I think raw puffin heart is a is a bridge too far, even for me.
0: <laughs> you know, in the United States, raw puffin heart would be a cereal.
3: Did you have puffins?
0: Wait a minute. Let me make that into an Icelandic joke. In the United States, raw puffin heart would be a cereal. <coughs> <laughs> wow, well you guys, that was that was so informative. Um I would really like to go to Iceland and and I just want to say to the potential one or two Icelandic listeners that we might possibly have um <laughs> which is when i go there can i stay with you that's what i'd like to say
1: (laughs) (laughs) all right well uh tony it's uh it's time for you to choose your your best of the last ones because we're running out of time for your report
3: i know i know there's so many okay I i thought this was interesting First names not previously used in Iceland must be approved by the Icelandic naming committee.
1: Wow. Wow. And they say they don't have a sense of humor.
3: <laughs> Isn't that weird? That's why there's no
0: girls. That's why there's no girls there named Apple. <laughs>
1: well, how do you put it that way? yeah i i
0: i like the idea of just making up a name from sort of whole cloth that doesn't mean anything at all um but apparently well, you you'd
1: be in a slammer in Iceland if you did that
0: yeah i guess so i i guess so my i wouldn't be i'd have to hide my frozen baby um <laughs> wow, that's a weird and <laughs> we know how many first names they you know so so the the book of names in Iceland is, like, some serious shit. They're not just suggestions.
3: No, you have to pick. It's like the you... Ten
1: Commandments or something, right?
3: Yeah, you... So, it's... they.
1: It's like there's a hundred boys' names and ten of them are Torvald. <laughs> 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 um... All right, and Tony, before we let before we um, before we put a put a ribbon on this and thank everybody, how many listeners do we have in Iceland?
3: That's an interesting question because yeah. we don't actually know the answer. No, <laughs> well, do they have
1: a law forbidding data?
3: No, it's because I don't know how to access it, and Bonnie Burns doesn't know the answer either. So we <laughs> okay. don't know.
0: All right. <laughs> All right, I have a way we can solve. I have a way we can find out. Everyone in Iceland, within the sound of my voice, if you could just, um, if you could just go on our Facebook page, Facebook a page, and uh, I was trying. To-
1: oh yeah, nice Danish We're
3: there.
0: Cultivating listeners.
3: God.
0: Yeah, I was trying to translate. If you could just go, I'm kidding, Iceland. I'm kidding. If you could just, I'm kidding. If you could just go on our Facebook page and and <laughs> count yourselves, we would really appreciate it because we would love to have you.
1: Stand up and, and we- be counted. Iceland, we love you. And and let me just say, and I'm sure Paul's going to agree, Tony and Bonnie, that was a stunningly good report. Thank you. It was an excellent report.
0: Yeah. And the visuals.
4: <laughs> I bet Land might know how many. He probably knows how to find out how many listeners we have. Oh, Lance! Land looking. Romo's
1: looking it up. Uh, Paula and Adam, uh, we have three listeners in Iceland.
4: Yay! Yes! I knew it! Okay, well, somebody from Iceland email us at... Where do they email us? So we can call them.
3: Nobody listens to paulapoundstone at gmail.com.
1: There you go. And you know what? That's a, that's a wonderful segue to everybody's favorite part of the show, which is the the promotions. (laughs) Paula, what do you have going on in the Poundstone product empire this week? You know, Adam Adam?
0: Adam who hasn't dreamed of showing up at their virtual Thanksgiving dinner wearing a remarkably soft tri-poly blend t-shirt in a baseball or standard style with a self-portrait on the left breast and a memorable quote on the back? Well, that dream is within your grasp, nobody's Go to paulapoundstone.com and click on the store tab. Watch some Rx Laughter videos while you're at it.
1: (laughs) Nice. And uh, I just want to remind everybody that the Starburn Sports Simulcast, featuring Jeff Cesario and me, has now moved into the world of football. So if you want to watch your Thursday night football, but with comedy commentary, just watch it on Fox, but navigate over to starburnsports.com on your tablet or phone or whatever else you get to the internet with, and you'll you'll hear us announcing the game in simulcast.
0: All right. Wait a minute, if you Fox has football? Our- Fox has football? Yes. So what is it, like Sean Hannity and Chris Wallace playing football?
1: Uh you know what? It's 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 not because it's not Fox News, it's Fox the Network. Oh, my mistake. Yeah, well although that I would watch, I would pay to watch Sean Hannity get tackled by by, <laughs> by uh, uh Tucker Carlson or the other way around.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say that um I, I, I but if it's not those guys playing, then it'll be a lot more funny um if they listen to you guys do the commentary.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, if you want to enter a theme song contest, send your song to us at Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. Once again, that's where Iceland can get in touch with us too. Once again, Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. That's our show. Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam the Felber. Special thanks to our guest, Jarrett Walker, who walked to get here. And thanks to our house band, Kristen phelps web our show is produced by paula poundstone adam Felber, bonnie burns ken lizebnik and tony anita hull mixing by michael hoagie starburns production by land romo and our former intern who we've more or less forgotten about by now is doug was doug transcription services for the show provided by TranscribeMe, a premier internationally used transcription service use code paula poundstone when placing your order at transcribeme.com to receive an expedited service That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me?
0: Well, you know what? We have in the last, say, how long we've been doing this podcast, Adam?
1: Couple years. Couple years.
0: Yeah. I would say that in the last couple years, we have doubled our listenership in Iceland.
1: Oh, easily. It's because of our deep knowledge of their culture and the way that they respond to our sense of humor.
0: Our sense of humor. I just want to throw yes. one in for him.
1: Yeah. Pardon oh, boy. me, boy. Is this the road to the penis museum?
0: <laughs> you can go all the way around Iceland on one road. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna use that road in my Winnebago. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's a noble noble dream, Paula Poundstone.
0: No? It is. I I, I want to take up less space. That's one of the, that's one of my goals. Take no, up mine
1: less Mine too, space. but it's more of a more of a dieting thing I'm trying to do
0: oh yeah boy I was i ate so much junk food today without you guys to help me clear away the food in the middle of the table whew, i was just taking care of it myself Podcast Network.